Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Mystery, Suspense, Dramas, and Horrors, where we bring to you the most mysterious tales that the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with 326 episodes made, broadcasting from 1939 to 1950, we bring to you The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Makers of Promo Quinine Cold Tablets bring you another adventure of Sherlock Holmes with Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes and Nigel Brute as Dr. Watson. This program is presented every week at this same time, and a complete story is dramatized each time. Colds are already here, ladies and gentlemen. Be on your guard. Be careful. The so-called common cold may be the start of more serious illness. At the first sign of a cold, take famous Bromo Quinine Tablets. Bromoquinine tablets act promptly and decisively to relieve the discomforts of a cold. They help reduce the fever of a cold. They give you the results you want in the time you want. Yes, at the very first sign of a cold, let it be Bromoquinine cold tablets. Now here we are once more in the cheerful, firelit study of the famous Dr. Watts, who's relating his delightful Sherlock Holmes adventure. Good evening, Doctor. You look a bit irritated, if you'll pardon my saying. Good evening, Mr. Manning. Good evening. Yes, I am a bit annoyed, and with good reason. I don't know if I've told you that Holmes has been listening in to these reminiscences. Well, here's the letter I received from him after last week's story. Read it. All right. My dear Watson, I noticed that in your last broadcast, you gave way to your regrettable habit of emotionalizing your story. Detection, my dear fellow, is or ought to be an exact science. To tinge it with romanticism is like introducing a love story into the fifth proposition of Euclid. As ever, Sherlock Holmes. Well, what do you think of that? But the emotion was there. You couldn't tamper with the truth. Holmes has always maintained that the truth is not in what you say, but in the impression you create in the other person's mind. <laughs> well, Holmes always complained that I overstress the... Uh... The human element in recording his cases. How well I remember the attitude with which he received the publishing of my first book about his adventures. It was a cold morning in early spring. We were sitting on either side of a cheery fire in our rooms in vacancy. A thick fog rolled down between the dun-colored houses. Our gas was lit. It shone on the white cloth and glimmered on the coffee cups and on the silver. The breakfast table had not yet been cleared away. Holmes had been silent all the morning smoking his long cherrywood pipe, which usually displaced his favorite clay when he was in a disputatious mood. Altogether, he was not in the best of tempers. Matches, matches. Where are the matches? Look at that confounded fog. What happens to all the matches in this house, I'd like to know? My dear Holmes... Why not use the tongs and a live coal if you want to relight your pipe? Huh? 
Ow! I burned myself. Ah, for heaven's what sake, Holmes, stop starting. Right. Something's annoying you. Why not get it off your chest? It's that confounded book of yours. Huh? Sensationalism, Watson. Rank sensationalism. You're always placing the emphasis on the crime. Crime is common, logic is rare. You should stress the logic. You have degraded what should have been a course of lectures into a series of tales. Now, really, Holmes, that's not logical. You're always complaining that crime is falling off. You say there are no first-class criminals left. Quite. Therefore, if you depend on the crime to hold your readers, you will soon be a back number. Criminals. Bah! They've lost all their enterprise and originality. My practice seems to be degenerating into an agency for recovering lost lead pencils and giving good advice to young ladies from boarding school. <laughs> advice to the love lord, eh? Well, look at this. This note, it came by the board this morning's post. Here. The last straw, that's what it is. Read it. Really? Let's have a look. Dear Mr. Holmes, I'm very anxious to consult you as to whether I should or I should not accept a situation which has been offered me as a governess. I shall call at half past ten tomorrow if I do not inconvenience you. Yours faithfully, Violet Hunter. Well, it's, well, it's eleven now. Exactly, she's late. Just like a woman. Uh, I say, Holmes, this must be your young lady now, walking briskly up the street. See. Hmm. Brisk. Purposeful manner. Nice, bright, intelligent face. Yes, it is. She's stopping at our door. Well, there may be something in this case after all, my dear Watson. It's not the uh, hysterical sort that makes a fuss over nothing. Here she is. Come in. How do you do? This is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Quite. And um, this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do? <laughs> Oh, I trust you'll excuse my troubling you, Mr. Holmes, but I've had a very strange experience. And as I have no relations of any sort to advise me, I thought I'd best come to you. I shall be very happy to do anything that I can. Well, I, I, I've been a governess for five years in the family of Colonel Spencer Monroe. He's been transferred to Nova Scotia, so that for the last few months I've been without a situation. Why, I advertised and answered advertisements, but without success. See, the money I had saved began to run out, and I was at my wit's end. Indeed, indeed. Well, go on. Well, yesterday I called in at a well-known employment agency run by a Miss Stouffer. When I arrived, the outer office was filled with young ladies looking for situations. I, I was told to wait. I did so, and after about half an hour, my name was called out. Well, the door to Miss Stouffer's private office was ajar. Seated beside her was a prodigiously stout man with a round, smiling face and a heavy chin. Oh, his eyes were like two little slits. I advanced to the door, my knees trembling. Oh, Mr. Holmes, if you know how I needed that work. Come in, my dear. Come in. Mr. Rucastle, this is Miss, uh, oh, what is your name, my dear? Miss Hunter, Violet Hunter. Oh, yes, Miss Hunter. Oh, capital, capital. I couldn't ask for anything better. I'm sure you'll do, Miss Hunter. Well, I, I hope so, Mr. Rucastle. You're looking for a situation as a governess? Yes, sir. And what, do you, what salary do you ask? Well, I, I had four pounds a month in my last place. Four pounds? Sweating, rank sweating. How anyone could have the audacity to offer that to a lady with such attraction, such accomplishment. A lady fitted for the rearing of a child who may someday play a considerable part in the history of this country. Oh, your salary with me, madam, will commence at one hundred pounds a year. A hundred? Oh, Mr. Rucastle. No, furthermore, it is my custom to advance my young ladies half their salary beforehand. May, 
May I ask where you live, Mr. Rucker? Hampshire, a charming rural spot. The Copper Beaches is the name of the place. Five miles north of Winchester. Oh, the dearest old house. And and what would be my duty? One child. A dear little romper, age six. Oh, if you could see him killing cockroaches with a slipper. Smack, smack, smack. He's gone before you could wink. <laughs> my yeah, my yeah. sole duty, then, is to take care of this. This child. Well, I, I, I'm sure your good sense would suggest that you obey any little commands which my wife might give, provided, of course, that they were such as a lady might obey with propriety. You see no difficulty, eh? Oh, I should be happy to make myself useful. Oh, by the way, in dress, for example, we're fatty people. Fatty but kind-hearted. Now, now, if you were asked to wear a particular dress that we might give you, 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 you wouldn't object to our little whim, eh? Oh, no. <laughs> or to sit here or there, that wouldn't be offensive to you. Why, no. no. Or to cut your hair short before you come to us. My, my hair? Oh, yes, yes, it's quite essential. It's a little fancy of my wife, you see. And Lady fancies, my dear Miss Hunter, must be consulted. But my, <laughs> my, my hair. Oh, no, I, I, no, I couldn't. No, oh, oh, what a pity. Well, in that case, Miss Stoper, I'd best inspect a few more of your young ladies. Good day, then, Miss Hunter. I'm afraid you must consider yourself struck from our list. Oh, but you can hardly expect us to exert ourselves to find another such opening for you. But, Miss Stoper... Good day, Miss Hunter. Oh, oh, just a minute, Miss Stoper. Uh, let's not be too hard on the young lady. After all, my request was a little sudden. Uh, perhaps, Miss Hunter, you'd like 24 hours in which to consider the matter. Uh, and in view of the fact that you have particularly beautiful hair, uh, I might be willing to raise the salary to a hundred and twenty pounds a year uh, to recompense you for our electricity. <laughs> unusual, most unusual, my dear Miss Hunter. Uh, what do you make of it, Watson? Perhaps the gentleman's wife is a lunatic, and he wishes to humour her offences in order to prevent an, an outbreak. Possibly, Watson. Possibly. In any case, it doesn't seem a nice household for a young lady. But the money, Mr. Holmes. The money, and I need it, so. Well, yes. The pay is good. Too good. Why should they give you 120 pounds when they can have their pick for 40? There must be some strong reason. But I have no choice. Then, uh, you've made up your mind to accept? I must. I thought if I told you the circumstances, you would understand afterwards if I wanted your help. Mr. Holmes, I should feel so much stronger if I knew you were behind me. Uh, certainly you may carry that feeling away with you. And if at any time you should find yourself in danger... Danger? Well, what danger could there be? My dear Miss Hunter, it would cease to be a danger if we could define it. But remember, at any time, day or night, just telegraph me and we'll come to your help. Oh, sure, of Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you. Charming Miss Hunter called. Conditions must be pretty good at the Copper Beaches, or are we to hear from her? You never know, Watson. You never know. She may not be able to get to a telegraph office. Huh? Not so. Nothing very dreadful can happen out in the open country like this. Now, that's where you're wrong, Watson. My experience that the vilest alleys in London do not present a more dreadful record of sin than does the smiling, beautiful countryside. Oh, you you the creeps. What do you mean? The pressure of public opinion is greatest in the towns. There is no lane so vile that the scream of a tortured child or the thud of a drunkard's blow does not beget sympathy and assistance from the neighbors. But the countryside, my dear Watson, filled with its lonely houses, think of the hellish cruelty, the hidden wickedness, 
Life may go on year in, year out in such places, and no one the wiser. Had our young friend gone to Winchester, I should not have had this uh, fear for her safety. It's the five miles of country which makes the danger. Uh, see what that is, Watson. Oh, thank you, sir. Telegram for you, huh? Oh, give it to me. It's from Miss Hunter. Oh, well, what's she say? Come at once. We'll meet you at the Black Swan Hotel Winchester at three this afternoon. Abbott, my wits end, don't fail me. What do you suppose has happened? Hurry, Watson, we've no time to lose. There's a train from Waterloo Station in half an hour. If we can only get to her in time. <laughs> In just a moment, we will follow Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson on their strange journey. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful of the so-called common cold. It may quickly turn into something else. Act quickly. Act prudently. At the first sign of a cold, take bromoquinine tablets. Bromoquinine tablets promptly relieve the distress of a cold. They help reduce the fever of a cold. Bromoquinine tablets are effective for two very good reasons. First, they're made especially for the relief of a cold symptom. Specialized medication, in other words. Second, they work internally. They get out of cold's discomfort from the inside, which is the way you want. Be businesslike in your treatment of a cold's mystery. Take a businesslike preparation. Bromoquinine tablets. You can get these famous tablets at any drugstore in America, a few cents a box. Be sure you ask for Bromo, B-R-O-M-O, quinine, Q-U-I-N-I-N-E. Bromo quinine, cold tablet. Ah, yes, there's the black swan. Opposite the station. Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, that's Mrs. Uh, that's Miss Hunter waiting for us on the doorstep. <laughs> Looks a bit pale and shaky, eh, Holmes? Yes. Poor girl is obviously frightened. Mr. Holmes, so kind of you to come. You too, Dr. Watson. Oh, not at all. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how anxious I'd be enough. There, there. there now, Miss Hunter. Perhaps if we go inside, they can give us a private sitting room. Yes, Mr. Holmes. I've ordered tea this way, please. Ah, yes, that's better. Nice, cozy fire. Uh, close the door, will you, Watson? Oh, that's right. Now then, suppose we let the doctor do the pouring while you tell the story. First of all, uh, how do you like your tea? Uh, two lumps and a little cream. Oh, right, oh. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Yes, and uh, now? Well, well, first of all, I've had no, no actual ill treatment from Mr. and Mrs. Newcastle, but things that frighten me... However, I had that begin at the beginning. Yes, that is generally a good place to start. Well, Mr. Holmes, Papa Beaches is a large, sinister-looking house, almost completely surrounded by woods. It impressed me from the moment of my arrival. I was met at the door by Mr. Rootcastle and his wife. And, uh, is she... No, Mr. Holmes. She's not married. I see. She's a small, pale-faced woman, much younger than Mr. Rootcastle. In fact, I gather that she's his second wife. You see, there was a daughter by the first marriage... A girl now over 20, but she's not living at the house. Mr. Rucastle said that she couldn't get along with her stepmother, so he sent her to America, to Philadelphia. And does Mrs. Rucastle strike you as a difficult woman to get along with? Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. 
She's shy and rather quiet. More than once I've surprised her in tears. At first I thought it might be worry over the disposition of her child. Oh, what's the matter with his disposition? Well, he's, he's badly spoiled. He has an ungovernable temper and seems to take great delight in torturing birds and small animals. Pleasant oh, little beast. And the rest of the household? Well, there's only one servant. Taller is his name. A rough, uncouth man with a perpetual smell of drink about him. Why they keep him, I don't know. Except perhaps because he's the only one who can manage Carlo. Carlo? Yes. Carlo's a huge, underfed mastiff that's kept chained in the stable during the day, but at night they let him out. It's a terrible beast. Even Mr. Rucastle is afraid of him. I'm sure you tear any trust with it a bit. Hmm. I wonder why Mr. Rucastle desires such ferocious protection. I'm sure I don't know unless... Unless there's something on the top floor of the West Wing that he wants to protect. The West Wing, eh? Yes, the door that leads into it is opposite my room, and it's kept securely locked. It looks nasty to me, Holmes. Uh, Please, Watson, please. Don't interrupt. Well, the second day after my arrival, immediately after breakfast, Mr. Rootcastle asked me to put on a dress which had been laid out for me on my bed. Uh, What was it like? Well, it wasn't a new dress, Mr. Holmes. But the material was excellent and of a particularly brilliant shade, an electric blue. Oh, electric blue. Charming color. I put it on and went down to the living room. Mr. Lucasio had placed a chair for me by the front window. He asked me to sit there with my back to the window and to read to him from a French novel. Well, I read for an hour, and at the end of that time, he said I might go upstairs and change. Hmm, strange. This experience has been repeated every morning since then. Well, as time passed, I became more and more curious. Why were they so careful to keep my face turned away from the window? Naturally, I was consumed with the desire to see what was going on behind my back. So today I devised a means. I noticed at breakfast that Mr. Rucastle had had quite a few drinks. Happy thought seized me. My hand mirror had been broken, so I concealed a piece of it in my handkerchief and later in my book, feeling sure that Mr. Rucastle was too drunk to notice. Holding the book up, I was able to see everything behind me. And what did you see? And at first, there was nothing. At the second glance, however, I saw a young man in a gray suit leaning against a railing which bordered our field. He was looking earnestly in my direction. Mr. Rucastle must have noticed my surprise, for he burst out angrily. Miss Hunter, your attention must be wandering. That's the second time that you've read that passage. Oh. Furthermore, there's an impertinent fellow up the road who keeps staring at you. Is he a friend of yours? Oh, no, Mr. Rucastle. I don't know anyone around here. Well, kindly turn around and motion him to go away. Well, wouldn't it be better not to notice him? Do what I tell you. I really don't encourage you to have any followers. Very well, Mr. Rucastle. Where? Impertinent fellow. That will be all for this morning, Miss Hunter. You may go to your room. Oh, but Mr. Rucastle, I hope you don't. Go to your room, I say. Yes, sir. And after this, you needn't bother to wear that blue dress. Oh, dear, what a frightful household. If I could only get away from here, it's all so depressing. What? Because he's left the key in the door to the west wing. He must be gone. I wonder what's inside. Oh, yes, it wouldn't hurt to take just one look. Oh, how dark it is. Empty. Wait. Three doors. There's a middle one is barred at the end of an old iron bedstead. A 
wonder why. Oh, but it's a poking in here. What was that? Oh, I need to be the bat. Someone's in there. Or maybe it's something. I can't stand it. Too eerie. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out. Oh, dear, there comes Mr. Rukas. What's this, dear? Mr. Lucas! Mr. Lucas! Yes, it was you, then. I thought it must be when I saw the door open. Oh, I'm so frightened. My dear young lady, and what frightened you? Well, I was foolish enough to go into that vacant wing, but it was so lonely and eerie, and, and the bat swooped down into my face. Is that all? Well, what else could there be? Why do you suppose that I keep that door locked? I'm sure I don't know. It's to keep people out who had no business there, you see. I'm sure if I'd known it. Well, you know now, my dear young lady. And if you ever put your foot over that threshold again, I'll throw you to the basket. <laughs> Someone locked in that room. Someone who's unhappy. Perhaps tortured. Oh, good heavens, it's almost five. I promised to be back by six. As soon as the Newcastle are going out, if Mr. Newcastle should discover where I've been... You acted like a brave and sensible girl, Miss Hunter. Yes, indeed you have. Do you think you could do one more thing? I can try, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson and I will be at the Copper Beaches by seven. The Newcastles will be gone by that time, and I don't imagine the Mastiff will be let loose until they return. Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. It would be too dangerous for them to get back to the house. Good. We will hope that Tola is still drunk. At any rate, you must get us into the house. You must explore the West Wing. I'll do my best, Mr. Holmes. Now I must hurry. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Well, my dear Holmes, what do you make of it all? Blue dress for the man in front of the house. Obviously, they've had someone, uh, had her impersonating someone. Someone young whose hair has been cut off during an illness. That someone is probably the person imprisoned in the West Wing. That is not the most sinister part of Miss Hunter's story. Oh, what do you say? The unpleasant disposition of the child. Oh, what's that got to do with it? My dear Watson, as a medical man, you know that a child's tendencies can be discovered by a study of the parent. But heredity as a science could be worked backwards as well. You can get a good insight into the character of the parent by studying the children. This child is cruel, abnormally cruel. Probably inherited from one of his parents. I only hope nothing serious happens before 7 o'clock tonight. What a night. First thunderstorm of the season. Woo, 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 woo. Woo, woo. Listen to that dog. He's in an ugly temper. Listen to the house. To this group of copper beaches in front of it. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Miss Hunter waiting for us in the doorway. The coast must be clear. Oh, come in, come in. You must be soaked to the skin. Oh, you're rather wet yourself. You be careful, you know. You'll be careful. Quiet, watch quiet. That pounding. It's Tola. He was just going out to release the dog. I sent him to the wine cellar, then locked him in. Splendid. I managed to get Tola's keys off him, too. He was quite drunk. They are duplicates of Mr. Rukas. Better and better, but come along upstairs. We've no time to waste. Have you got your revolver handy, Watson? Yes. Good. Good heavens, that lightning must have hit quite near here. One of the copper beaches, no doubt. Now, which key? Oh, this one. That's right. Oh, nothing here. Come along. Listen to that rain on the roof. 
The middle door, you said. Hello in there. No answer. I don't like that. Watson, help me remove this bedstead, will you? That's right. All right. Hide it, one side. Yeah, cut the rope. That's it. The door's locked. Oh, we must break it open then. Come on. One, two. Hello. There's no one here. The villain Rucastles has made away with the prisoner. Maybe right. He's probably been carried off. Yes, but how? Through the skylight. Hello, sir. Shut that table over here. What are you going to do? Stand on it, of course. Yes, yes. There's a footprint. And there's a ladder resting against the eaves. So that's how he did it. But that's not possible. The ladder wasn't there when the Rucastles went away. Then he must have come back. He's a dangerous and clever man. Listen. Yes. I think I hear his steps on the stairs. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you kill us all. I thought I'd find you here. Oh, Phil, and what have you done with your daughter? I'm the one that should ask that. You thieves, you robbers. I've caught you. You're in my path. I'll fix you. Hello. Hello. Disgusting this simple, my dear Watson. Rucastle's daughter, as I suspected. Seems that she had inherited some money from her mother, who was Rucastle's first wife. When she threatened to get married and take a small fortune with her, her father tried to get her to sign a paper giving the money to him. He worried her until she got brain fever and had to have all her hair cut off. Oh, what a, what a brute. I got all these details from Tiller. Still, her young man stuck to her and she to him. After that, Mr. Rucastle locked his daughter up and brought Miss Hunter down from London in order to impersonate her, get rid of the persistent suitor. This young gentleman, however, was a persevering chap, and having greased Toller's palm very thoroughly, he learned the true state of affairs. With the help of Toller and a long stepladder, he rescued his fiancée. They are now headed for Southampton with a special license, and this time Miss Rucastle, or rather Mrs. Fowler, is really going to America on our honeymoon. Oh, it is uh, quite romantic, isn't it, Holmes? Ah, you and your immense, Watson. You're a regular old woman. Well, I'm glad we were able to help the poor thing, but I wouldn't go back to that house again. Not for twice the salary. Oh, um, that reminds me, Miss Hunter. I was talking to a friend of mine about you the other day. She's oh? a private school in Walsall. I believe she said she had an opening for you. Oh, Mr. Holmes... You're, you're a darling. Oh, no, my dear. It's quite inconsequential. Already, no. Shut up, what? 
Dr. Watson, you certainly had some exciting times when you were living with Sherlock Holmes. I certainly did, Mr. Manning. Those were the days. I mean, never a dull moment. Yes, but I think of the thrilling experiences that, that Holmes brought into my life. I can almost forgive him for being so, so beautifully critical. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before Dr. Watson tells us what next week's adventure will be, here's what to do when you feel any sign of a cold. Here's what to do for prompt relief. Go right to your druggist and say a package of bromoquinine tablets, please. Start taking the tablets right away, according to the directions on every box. You'll be surprised with the prompt action of bromoquinine tablets. You'll be amazed with the way they relieve a cold's discomfort. You'll get results such as to delight and reassure you. You'll say, here indeed is a dependable preparation well worthy of its fame. Don't leave your radio tonight without making a mental note that any sign or suspicion of a cold, you're going to take bromoquinine tablets. You'll probably have more than one occasion to be grateful for the resolution. Remember, bromo, B-R-O-M-O, quinine, Q-U-I-N-I-N-E, bromoquinine cold tablet. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, next week, we shall hear about a noble bachelor who finally married and whose, uh, whose wife disappeared between the wedding and the bridal breakfast. So this bachelor had a wife, eh? Even Holmes will have trouble explaining that. Not at all, Mr. Manning, not at all. You'll hear all about it next week. The most peculiar story it is, too. You have been listening to a Sherlock Holmes adventure adapted from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Copper Beaches. Starring Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. The dramatization was by Edith Miser. This program is presented from Hollywood every week at this same time by the makers of Bromo Quinine Cold Tablets. Quick relief for cold. This is not many speaking. This is the National Broadcasting Company. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible.